Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Janine Bolin. Janine is the author of over a dozen books, podcaster of seven different shows with over 300 episodes and serial solopreneur since the age of 10. Janine gets jazz guiding people as they start and run their businesses from the ground up using all the bootstrapping techniques she has learned over the last 40 plus years. Welcome, Janine. How are you today? Hey, I am doing so good and I cannot wait to dive into our content, Terry. Thanks so much for inviting me. You're welcome. It's going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> so I'm happy to have you on Kick-Ass Boomers today. And you have built an empire over the years. You really have. But let's start by telling my audience your story, going back to where it all started when you were 10 and your parents wouldn't give you an allowance. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I think actually Boomer Nation totally understands this. It's the younger generation that doesn't quite get uh, the story, but they yes. love hearing it. So we'll definitely uh, share it. So realize my father was a Vietnam veteran. And so we were in the military and they don't do this now anymore. Mm. The military doesn't ship families around the world like they used to after the Vietnam War. But uh, it's one of those things that we were stationed at that time on a little island called Eleuthera in the Bahamas. And I was 10 years old. And I remember listening to rock and roll music as Casey Kasem would do the top 40. And uh, as I was listening to it out on the beach, oh, life was tough, right? Yeah, and right. Uh, really <laughs> tough. But, you know, I was bored at 10 and, and uh, I wanted some candy. My, my parents... My parents wouldn't buy me candy. Oh. And I know, terrible, right? <laughs> terrible. I had it rough. And, uh, and, and I got tired of fish all the time. Like, I could go and fish, and I could get fish. And, you know, it wasn't like I was starving, but gosh, right. really wanted some candy. Some candy. So yeah. my father, typical dad, he just turns to me and he goes, well, I know that you're a bright spark and you'll figure it out. But no, we do not believe in allowances. And there you go. Figure wow. it out. And so, so I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to go figure this out. And I remember that anytime my dad would see a problem, because he was a CB, so that was the construction battalion. Mm -hmm. And so anytime he saw a problem, he'd be like, okay, well, if it's uh, difficult, we can do it instantaneously. If it's impossible, it might take us just a little bit longer. So that was his whole attitude about life. And that was kind of drilled on, drilled into me. Right. So as I went down to our local PX, which for those who don't know, that's the local grocery store on base. Mm -hmm. And I went down to the PX and I noticed this woman was struggling to shelve groceries. And so I asked her, I said, hey, can I help you shelve groceries? And she goes, well, I can't pay you. And I'm like, that's okay. I'll just help you. And so I was just wanting to help this woman. That's all I really was doing. And the next thing I know, somebody came in and they needed to bag groceries and she was kind of struggling uh, with the groceries. She had injured herself during PT. 
Mm. And so they had put her in charge of the PX. And so I said to her, I was like, well, I'll, I'll bag groceries. And the lady goes, oh, are you bagging for tips? And I went, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that was my very first customer. I got wow. 25 cents to bag groceries and haul them to the car. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of money. I used to babysit for 25 cents an hour. Five <laughs> kids. I was working hard for an yes, hour to get 25 cents. <laughs> I know, right? So like I told you, I had it rough. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> I, I, I hope you feel sorry for me. No. Right. <laughs> So anyway, but now, nowadays, you know, I, I do feel for kids because we had opportunities at that time before Wi-Fi, before Bluetooth, we right. had opportunities that there's no way kids could do that nowadays. There just isn't the same mentality. The society has changed in its perspective. But, you know, I do see the odd lemonade stand during the summer and I always stop. And I always buy a couple lemonade and I right. talk to them and mm -hmm. I make sure they stay in business. And of course, you got to buy the Boy Scout popcorn and the Girl Scout cookies. cookies. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> These are little entrepreneurs in the making. Absolutely. <laughs> and some of them do really well. Oh, they I was stunned. Put yeah. on their thinking caps. They want to win things and they're going <laughs> to find out how to sell a couple hundred boxes of cookies. <laughs> It's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. they want that sleepover at the local museum. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's right. But it's great that they really think those ways and, uh, you know, start them young. And, you know, I think the, the problem is parents because they want to do everything for their kids. They want to protect them. They don't want them to run into any problems. I mean, I know parents that were actually doing their kids' homework because they want to make sure they get into the best colleges well, that's not really the best way to do that, but they want to protect them. They don't want them to have any hardships or upsets or, but that's how you learn. So right. if you're going to protect kids from that, they don't know how to function in the real world later on. So it, it is a shame that we don't have more parents encouraging that type of thing. Well, and the big thing is people like you and I run around the country and I don't know about you, but I'm always talking to people about money. I'm like, mm -hmm. let's learn how to live debt free. Let's, you know, and it's a matter of uh, reestablishing some skill sets that may not be as prevalent anymore. And one of my favorite things is I started a little side business and it exploded on me. I had to hire out. Uh, I'm in alignment now with several tailors, but I started off this little thing called Mending Longmont. And it was a play on words where I actually sew up uh, holes and I put buttons. Right. And pants for, but I also brought it out in January of 2023 because I wanted to mend my little community because like everyone, we've all been through the mill the last three years. I mean, good yeah. Lord, nobody would have ever thought of what has happened. And mm -hmm. so I, I it was a play on words to call it mending Longmont. Well, after the seventh and eighth bag of mending that dumped on my doorstep because I have a bin where people mm -hmm. can actually drop off that. It's like, it got crazy. And so finally women started saying to me and men started saying to me, Hey, do you have classes? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Huh? When am I going to find time to make classes? 
I have a sewing machine. I just don't know how to use it. Will you come to my house? I'm like, if I have to come to your house, that's $497 an hour. Yeah. But if you come to my house on Saturdays and you bring your own machine, Mm -hmm. it's $197 and you can come as many Saturdays as you want. It's a one-time fee. Wow. Because my whole goal is to get people back to using their machines, get back into fixing their own clothing and to keep clothing out of the landfills. And this was inspired by a documentary that I saw where I saw the, that there are millions of tons of denim Levi's that are dumped Ugh. in China, dumped into landfills. They don't know what to do with them. And I'm like, there is no reason for that. Yeah. You know, that just breaks my heart to see that that's an issue. And so that's what inspired me. And so I encourage you kick-ass boomers out there. Mm -hmm. If you have a sewing machine and you know how to sew, you reach out to me on some of one of my open Friday coffees or something like that. And what I do is for a very minimum amount, I call it a business in a box. And what I do is I give you the um, trademarks. I I give you mending. And instead of Longmont, it's going to be whatever your your city happens to be or your neighborhood. And I help you with the logos and all that kind of stuff. I do all the digital marketing and work for you. And I send all that out to you and I call it a business in a box. And I even had a sewing machine repairman who offered to send me sewing machines at a discounted price. And would I be interested in doing stuff like that? So this started off as just a little business. And honestly, it's only been in existence since January 9th. And I am overwhelmed by the response, Terry. And that tells me that we need more women doing that. So when we talk about we we want young people to do Mm-hmm. We have to lead by example. That's our job. Now, a yes. lot of boomers tell me, yeah, I, I like to give advice. I like to do that. Well, what's the best way to train a child, especially a grandchild? Play with the toy you want them to play with. Right. They, monkey see, monkey do is what they used to say. Right. Yeah. And it's like, so get on that sewing machine and start sewing. Even, even if your hands won't let you hold the fabric like it used to. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, you can do a coin purse. You can use two of your knitting needles and you can guide that stuff too. Don't let that be an excuse for you. And gentlemen, it is not just a women's uh, occupation, you know, and it's one of those things that we need the grandpas showing boys how to mend their own clothes. This used to be standard operating procedure. I don't know where the... um, sexes came in where it was only women's work and men only maybe 1950s i don't know it was yeah all i know is that i would my dad was in the navy and so a lot of the navy guys actually crocheted because crochet used to be how they used to crochet the nets right and so i watched a lot of men teaching younger sea guys you know seamen to um Crochet. So it was weird to me to then come to the United States and then see that there was this perception. And so, yeah, come to my it's open funny Friday because coffee my, my and husband, I will help you out. 
it's funny because my husband was a merchant marine and he used to do needlepoint because you're yes. at sea for months at a time. There's no TV. There's nothing to do. The men would sit around and do needlepoint. So he does do needlepoint. He also, when he did interior design, there were times when he would jump in and make some curtains and things. If our fabricators were too busy and we needed something done fast, he could do that. Now, his parents were both tailors. So he learned it growing up. He was, you know, his mother made costumes and and did all the tailoring. People would bring her all the stuff to be fixed. They didn't want to do it. But his father was also a tailor and he used to make suits. So but then at sea, he learned to do needlepoint. So he does all of that. So I guess when we get to the villages, I'll have to set him up again with his sewing machine and get him to help other people learn how to sew again. Right. And and don't think you have to be a tailor. I am not tailor no. quality. I I make skirts for myself, but I don't do like the major alterations. I hem pants. I sew up holes. I do shishashko mending, yep. right? You know, and yep. and so don't think that what's required of you is high level. If mm -mm. you can sew a stitch that's some semi sort of straight, Right. People aren't really picky. Right. No. Yeah. You know, no. and, and and we can help you with a price list and we can help you get all that stuff set up. But anyhow, so that's something that, you know, a lot of people get stuck on the couch because they don't think they're valued. Right. They don't right. think that there's anything for them to do or they're just tired of working hard. Well, um, if you can put a tote out on your front step with a little sign that says, put mending here. I think you, you, a business really does take off on its own. Right. The thing that right. shocked me was I was using Nextdoor, the app Nextdoor, right. and I had it tightened down to where it wasn't going out to the entire app. It was just going out to my neighbors. Wow. And then I opened it up a little bit more and I allowed it to go within a mile of my house. I had over 8,000 people hitting my post, reading my posts. Wow. And then I had 40 people responding to me. And then I ended up having about 15 people that actually became clients. So don't think like you're going to get totally overwhelmed. Right. You will have a nice steady stream of business, though. I guarantee it. Yeah. And boomers are looking for a little extra income. They really uh, yeah. are. With prices going <laughs> up the way they're going, we're all looking for that little extra to buy ourselves some candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the candy. It's all about, it's all the, about candy. the candy. <laughs> well, right now it's all about the eggs because God, I oh my God, eggs. Don't get me so started about eggs. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I love eggs and they've gone up so high. It's like, oh my God. So now we need to do some mending to earn money to buy our eggs. <laughs> Whoever thought, okay, so do you know somebody who has chickens? Maybe you can say, I will mend your outfits right. if you will hand me a dozen eggs. There you go. There you go. Oh, my God. I love that story. That's so great. So we will put that out there and I'll have all your information in the show notes because that is something that if you're looking for something to do, it's something easy anyone can do. You really can. You, you don't need special skills. You need, you need a needle and you right. need some thread. Oh, and by the way, I had a neighbor go out to a fabric store and said, what kind of thread do you need, Janine? I'm like, oh, right now I'm kind of short on blue thread. She brought me uh, scraps of denim and fabric and everything. So 
all you really need is a needle because some people will donate thread to you. (laughs) And I had, I have a picture and I will send it. I would love to share it with you guys, but I have a picture where I am surrounded by over 300 zippers because people started donating zippers to me when they found out I was fixing jackets. And I happen to be really good with zippers. Now, do I carefully rip out the zipper and put the new zipper in? No. I take the zipper that's already there that's broken right? and I just sew the new zipper on so it makes it a little bit bigger. And I tell people that's exactly what I'm going to do. And by that, I will only charge them $15 to $20. It depends on how long the zipper is. Right. But uh, it was amazing how many people were like, I don't care how you put the zipper in, just as long as I can use the jacket. Right. I have a jacket that needs a new zipper. Zipper in it, right? And people are like, it just splits open on me. It just splits open. And I'm like, let's put a new one in. We'll keep that sucker rocking. There you go. Oh, my gosh. That's great. That's great. That's what I'm telling you. We're literally mending. We're not going in and doing any of that tailoring that you don't, don't, don't be thinking highbrow. That is not what we are. (laughs) Just mending to keep those, those clothes to be used so that they don't get into a landfill, which is great. All we're doing. Yeah. That's all and we're some, doing. sometimes I have a favorite jacket or a favorite something and I get so mad when the zipper breaks or something happens and I can't wear it because I don't mind wearing the same thing for years. In fact, oh, my gosh, I'm wearing some things that my kids wore to college because right? they're still around the house and they got heavy and they can't fit in and I lost some weight. So I fit into them and I'm like, they look good to me. I know, right? I'm looking in the mirror and I'm not seeing anything that I think, oh, this got to be thrown back, right? You're doing okay. And then my kids come home and they go, mom, that was fine (laughs) in college. And let me tell you, they're all in their 40s. So this was a long time ago. I'm like, well, I found it and it was in good condition. So I'm wearing it. (laughs) And another fun thing, if you can sew a straight line, Uh you can make grocery bags out of your t-shirts. And I will show you how to do that. And the reason I share that with you is recently in Colorado, which is where I'm uh, talking to you from, Mm -hmm. they recently passed a law that now you have to pay 10 cents. Now, many states have already done this. You have to pay 10 cents a bag if you're going to use a bag. And I have had so many people donate old T-shirts to me and I'm selling them now to others for $5 a piece. And I've even asked the donated. I'm like, I'll give them back to you. And then you can sell them for $5 a piece. They're like, nope, don't want anything to do with them. Janine, use them with what you want. That's the kind of business I'm getting from my neighbors because they know I'll use it to good use. And they're like, we need to keep you in zippers and thread. So you sell them. (laughs) I'm like, I love my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm always very authentic. I'm always very open and honest about, okay, I'll sell them for $5 a piece. They're like, okay, that sounds good. You know, I'm like, Keep them out of a landfill. Yeah, yeah. They're not in a landfill. Yep, that's great. And and that's why I'm trying to, as I'm downsizing, I'm donating, I'm taking things up to this metal place that will, they'll take old appliances, they'll take metal, aluminum, all kinds of stuff. So I'm trying to, anything that needs to just be gotten rid of, I bring to them because they recycle most of it. 
So nice. I'm trying to go that route, route. Then it's easier just to get a couple of dumpsters and just throw it all in. But I'm trying not to do that. So I go to Goodwill every week as I'm downsizing. They get my books and my old clothes and and the scrap metal and all goes to the 611 metals. And I'm just trying to keep things out of the landfill. Now, I'll reach a point where I go, OK, I'm done. It's time for that uh, that dumpster. But I'm trying to get a lot of it out before I get to that point, because we don't want to fill the landfills. Right. And I know a lot of people shred their documents and I'm like, you realize that's all compost, right? Yeah. You can shred your documents and then use it as compost. And so those are a lot of fun things that um, I've seen happen around here in Colorado. Yeah. There's lots of things you can do to help out. So that's Mm -hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So now you you're doing everything right now. You're writing, you're podcasting, you're coaching, you're doing this sewing and teaching people how to start their own business. So how difficult was it to get to where you are today? Because you've been at it for a long time, but was it hard in the beginning? And, you know, give us a little idea of your experience. I was absolutely terrified. Uh, it, it was hard in the sense of Every day at around 2.30 in the morning, I'd wake up in a terrified sweat because I didn't know if I could make enough money because I had been married for 30 years. And I still love that man, by the way. Uh, Mm. I was married for 30 years, but he got to a point where I had to make him my husband instead of my husband. And I I don't like calling him my ex because, come on, I was married to the guy for 30 years and I had four children with him. I love him to bits. And and it took some time. It took seven years, but we're past the seven-year mark of our divorce. And mm-hmm. uh, he lives only a mile away from me. And the kids are having a really good relationship with him and everything. But have you ever had those wonderful people in your life that they have to hit rock bottom before they'll deal with their stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what my poor guy had to go through. And so anyway, uh, so that's where I was. Could I make enough money mm. following my passions, following my dreams and doing what I knew I needed to do. I had a message. I had to get out there. I loved radio. I was doing what they called audio blogging back then on blog talk radio. Oh my gosh, (laughs) yes. I remember. They didn't know what to call us, remember? So they called us audio bloggers (laughs) because it's like, you're not really radio, right? You're on right. the internet. What's this all about anyway? Right. And so it was a it was a whole new era. And so I, I just loved it because I'd been in radio for so long and it was something that I could do from the basement. Mm. And my kids could be upstairs in bed asleep and I could interview people from all over the world. And, and so it just kind of exploded from there. Then Kellogg's uh, had me as a, they sponsored me the, when the Fiber One Bar first came oh, out. Oh, I remember I was, <laughs> that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of lets you know the age and everybody's like, wow, you know, <laughs> you're like a pioneer. And I'm like, no, I was not in a Conestoga wagon. Okay. I was not like, please do not belittle what those women went through. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> you sure. know what I mean? And so, yeah. but, but anyway, so that, that's where I started. And so now I have a production company and they produce my 91 online courses, they produce my 12 books, and we produce all those uh, shows. And now um, I'm working for other businesses where businesses will hire us to do that. So I'm stepping back from it being all my content, and we're moving on other things. But that's the thing about having a life where you were a scholar. I had a lot to say because I had read so many different books. I'd lived in so many different countries, and the technology just kept getting better. 
and better and better to where I could do it all from home. And so it wasn't easy. It was hard because I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know anyone else that was doing what I was doing. Yeah, back then it was there. There were people there, but not a lot. And there was no way to know where they were, who they were. There really wasn't. YouTube wasn't what it was today because in 2005, which was the first year that I published my book, Money, It's Not Just for Rich People, um, (laughs) when, (laughs) thank you, Um, when uh, I I first started that, YouTube had just come out and really it was only uh, the gamer industry that was using it. And you had a bunch of people that were, you know, leaving MySpace in droves and going to YouTube because it wasn't, you know, you couldn't put pornographic material up, right? right. Uh, they shut you down on that. And so MySpace had kind of been taken over by uh, that industry. And mm-hmm. that's why it got all shut down. And YouTube had enough uh, software development that they kept that from happening. And so, but it was still like a young kids thing. So you can find some old video of me back in 2006, where I have every lamp in my house, because you didn't have ring lights yet, right? So I have every lamp around me trying to get enough light onto the camera. It was the year that Mac had their very first desktop camera in the computer. And I remember iMovie had just come out and I was running and I was holding up my books. Hi, I'm Janine Bolan. I'm the author of Money. It's not just for rich people. And I'd hold it up. I put it down and this book and this book and this book. And I'm here to talk to you today about living debt free. And it was you know, you look at, I look at that and I go, yeah, that's, that's where we were. Right. Right. I mean, that's, you were doing great. That's where we were. So that's where we were. Yep. Yep. And, and I had from- somebody accuse me of being a commercial. Oh my God, you're just one big talking commercial. <laughs> and what I was trying to do was say, <laughs> I have these four books and I have this system and he didn't get past that. So I had to totally learn, like I was used to being a college professor so you had right. to share with your students, look, this is why you should listen to me. Mm-hmm. I've written this book, I've written blah, 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 blah. And then you can <laughs> say the rest. I didn't realize with YouTube, and this is back in 2006, remember, that you only had the first two minutes. It was the first two minutes to capture people's attention. Two we minutes. are now down to the first four seconds. Four seconds? We're oh down to gosh. four seconds to wow. catch, catch somebody's attention. So oh. you can see how much the industry has changed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it absolutely has. Oh my gosh. So you're <laughs> you're inter- interviewing a lot of sing- uh, women that are solopreneurs. Is there someone out there that you would love to interview that you haven't had the chance to yet? I have such a long list. There's over a hundred people. <laughs> you, I've listened to some of them. You have talked to some really interesting women. You really have. It's just incredible. And yeah. um, one of one of the people that I almost got her on was uh, Oprah Winfrey. She almost had me <gasps> on her show. And that was back in, let me make sure I get the year right. I think it was around 2009. Oh my and gosh. I love hearing this story because it really shows how cool this woman is. She, um, her team reached out to me because they had seen me on MSNBC and Mm -hmm. I had managed to get on one of their shows. And so they reached out to me and said, Hey, would you come on our show? Well, in the end, it turned out I was not a good fit. What, what they were looking for were extreme 
tight wads. Well, the oh. debt-free living system I use is not extreme. It's actually oh, pretty boring. I'm like yawning here. It's kind of a yawner because right. it's like practical common sense, right? And, right? and that doesn't play well when you're Oprah Winfrey and you're trying to keep uh, the masses entertained yes. as well as. So she was looking for extreme people. And they jokingly, now this was a joke, the team turned to me and they said, Janine, we love your book. We love what you're about. You're uh, very entertaining because they were doing a phone interview with me. They're very entertaining and everything, but we just don't think you're a good fit for the show. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. Uh, No offense. You're just not sexy enough. It was meant as a joke. (laughs) Okay. And I was how I was laughing because they couldn't see me. All right, guys. We weren't on a Zoom call. It was on the phone. And and that was the joke. How would they know? How would they know? Right. Really. Right. Right. And so that's why I busted out laughing. And I love sharing that show story because it just shows, look, these these show hosts have to be very curated for their people. And so when you do get somebody on that really impresses you, just realize they've gone through the mill to be able to present their message in a way that a talk show host will do that. Well, it wasn't that long after that, that um, we had uh, David Bach made it on to that. And it was the the automatic millionaire. I think he he was the one that came up with the latte factor. Mm -hmm. And then you had a bunch of other people that uh, Susie Orman came on and she had her, her uh, women and money and then PBS picked her up. And, and I saw a lot of other people got picked up and I was like, good for them. I'm going to step out of doing the money gig. and I'm going to write about something else. And so I did. There you go. There you go. The the universe has got this. They got good people out there. They're using good information. And, uh, you know, Susie Orman kind of went off the rails uh, 15 years later. But, you know, she's allowed. She's got the she's got the jackets to prove it. She can do whatever she wants. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But you're doing great now, too. I mean, you've built this huge business. um, So at this point in your life, you can step back a little and do other things, which is wonderful. Again. So like every (laughs) other every other boomer. Now, let's go back to this a minute. Right. As everyone who's listening to this, you kick ass boomers know exactly what Terry's talking about here when she says you are not the type that sits on the couch. You sit on the couch and rest because, you know, you're not as spry as, you know, we used to be like right. you know, in our 20s. However, once we get our batteries recharged, we go again. We mm-hmm. don't stop. And I think that's something that's so important that you continue to do with your grandchildren and with your own children is you show them that grandma and grandpa aren't going to stop. And what that looks like is very, very different from any previous generation. You're not the type that is going to go into a retirement home, lay in bed, turn your head to the wall and go. And we've all seen that. We've seen that with certain generations. And so I want you to make the commitment today to Terry, because she's the one that's like, come on, people, get off the couch, get into your life. Let's go kick some ass. Because why? We know you can do it. Now, is it going to look the same as when you were in your 30s and 40s and really full of rebellion? Uh, No, but you're still full of rebellion. And I know you got the energy to do what you need to do. So get out there and show people how it's really done. 
Right. And it's not about working 48 to 80 hours a week. Like when you were younger, you don't have to do that anymore. That's the wonderful thing about being a boomer and being retired. You don't have to put in those crazy hours. So you go and you have your fun with your friends and then you, you do your business or you write your book or you do whatever, but you keep engaged and active and you, you have to be social and you have to have fun. That that's what this time of life is for having fun. So you can do it all. You did just little spurts. You can do it all. Right. And, and honestly, at this, at this phase of my life, I tell people, if I'm not having fun, I don't do it. And it's so cute to see these 40 year old men look at me and go, what do you mean? (laughs) I hire it out people. I hired it out. I have no problem working 45 hours, 60 hours a week doing all the stuff I love. Why? Because I've hired out all the stuff I don't enjoy. (laughs) You will not see me cleaning my bathrooms. I have a sweet young 25 something who's taking care of her family by cleaning my bathrooms for me. And I say, Christine, I love you. Thank you. I've done it for over 58 years. I am so grateful that you are now being the one to do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I will pay you handsomely. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. And I will be I'm not doing stingy. the same. Yep. Yep. When I get to Florida, like I clean my house here and do it. When I get to Florida, I don't want to be doing it. I'll be farming that out. I'll be, cause I'm going to want, they have live music there every night. I want to be there for the live music. I want to be doing my podcast. I want to be having fun. So again, like you farm out the things you don't want to do. Time is mm-hmm. short and we know it because even oh, if I no. live till 90, it's still short and it goes in a heartbeat. So, you know, if you're not having fun, what's the point? And I have had some that reach out to me and go, well, yeah, it must be nice if you have the money for it. I'm like, oh, I make the money for it. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's a, right. it's a mindset, right? right. It's like right. you can sit there and go, oh, I have to scrub this toilet because I don't have the money to hire somebody to do this for me. Uh, I have a business in a box. And if you have a sewing machine or a needle, we can get you started in a mending business. And let me tell you something. You can still watch your shows. You won't miss a beat watching yep. your shows, your favorite movies or whatever. And you sit there and mend clothes and get paid. Now, there you go. That's worth it, isn't it? I, I hope the glimmer in people's eye is starting. I to hope so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so tell us, where can my audience get in touch with you? Where can they find you? I think the easiest way is if you're on social media, a lot of you uh, were on LinkedIn for a period of time. So I'd mm-hmm. say go to LinkedIn and you look up Janine Bolin and that's spelled colon with a B. Unfortunate, but true. That's how you spell it. So it's <laughs> just spell colon. We've all been there at 50. We all were there and just put a B instead of a C and Janine Bolin and you'll find me there. Yep. Or you can go to the eightgates.com. And you will find on Ask Janine and you will find my Open Friday Coffee and you can get on and register to be on my Open Friday Coffees on Zoom. I'd love to see you. Which is so much fun. That's where we met. I heard about (laughs) Janine somewhere. I don't even remember where, but so I reached out to her and she said, well, just come to my Friday morning coffee. I'm like, okay, that sounds good to me. So I did. And I had so much fun. And there were so many people to interact with. Because again, another important part of being older is you have to be social. 
You have to stay connected to people. So there were so many people I connected with that day. It was wonderful. And then, of course, I invited you to be on the podcast. And here we are. So it was so much fun. And I'm going to do it again. I've had a little (laughs) trouble getting back because of packing to move. But it's definitely going to be something I'm going to do because it's a fun thing. And again, boomers, we're all about the fun, right? <laughs> yes. And it, like, and you've got to be having some fun with this, people. And definitely reach out to Terry. Keep listening to what she has to offer here, because I'm not the only person that's come up with a really cool idea on how to keep yourself off the couch. Now, I'm not talking about when you're recovering from something. Definitely give your body time to heal. Okay. It's done it a lot for you. Right. So go ahead and give your body time to heal. But it's really, really important that you... Also, get out there and interact with folks because they need to see that there's an alternative to aging. You are that answer. Absolutely. So I guess that's your final words of wisdom. So I don't need to ask you that. (laughs) Get up off the couch. That's it, right? (laughs) Yes, please do. Yeah, it's wonderful. So thank you so much, Janine, for being with us today. You gave us so much important information and it was a fun podcast. So um, I hope my audience reaches out to you because it's really important. Reach out, get in touch with Janine, find out about her business in a box. It might be exactly what you're looking for because a lot of us boomers are looking for a way to make a little extra money. You can do it right from home. It's something easy to do. Why not? So reach out. And of course, again, keep listening to Kick-Ass Boomers. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you for inviting me and keep kicking ass. I will. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. This podcast is sponsored by Premier Podcast Productions. Let's face it, everybody loves to make podcasts and vodcasts, but nobody wants to edit them. At Premier Podcast Productions, we professionally edit and distribute podcasts and vodcasts for companies around the world. Contact us at premierpodcastpros at gmail.com.